Good morning, RK. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Arrow. I appreciate you having me, and I'm ready. I'm ready to get going. This is a gift to be with you because we are living in an age right now, RK. That that your book says it all. The yards between us. I mean, look at what's happening to this world, and I swear, more people are retreating and they're going back into hiding. And we need books like yours to inspire people that yes, there's going to be a storm, but we can make it. We can, we can, and not just we can make it, but there is paradise on the other end of that storm. You're right about that, but but what did you go through mentally though to get there? Because you, it had to be more than just a dream. I mean, it's like it's like you envision it, but now you got to make it happen. You got to activate it. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, you know, as life is for all people, there are obstacles. Um, I think I learned that the biggest the biggest obstacle was myself. Uh, as someone who's been a lifelong teammate to other people on the football field, I had to find out how to be a teammate to myself in life, mm-hmm. how to pick myself up when I fell down, how to support myself when I was feeling a little less than 100 percent, how to give myself grace um, when I fell short from time to time. So just taking that same mentality that football taught me of being a great teammate, I had to apply to myself. And it's something that I'm still working on to this day. You know, no one's a, fi- a finished product, uh, but it, it has helped me get to where I am today and hope and not even hopefully it will propel me um, further. I'm glad you talked about being the individual self because so many t- t- you know times people, you know, they shove you onto these teams that, you know, it's like, God, you got to learn how to like each other, first of all. But if you don't like yourself, how is that to empower the team? And you being honest and transparent about being that individual, listening to that self and hearing that inner core speak. I mean, that is a journey, you know, within itself. Definitely. It, it definitely is. And, and to get into that room. So there's so much sacrifice that happens, mm-hmm. so much hard work and dedication and hours that happen um, that the respect from your teammates will be there, you know, just from who you are, just from what it takes to get in there. We all know what it takes because we all have had that similar route um, sports wise. So 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 I think those components will come. But but like you said, the respect for oneself, uh, the the love for oneself. The, the courage to share oneself with others, I, th- I think is the biggest roadblock, especially in male sports, mm-hmm. where I think in, in male culture um, and, and in male sports, sports culture, you've been taught a lot of time that vulnerability is, is softness or is weakness. Yep. That toughness and grit means um, compressing or repressing your mo- emotions and moving forward, regardless of how you're feeling or how you're doing as a human being. Uh, and that's just not the case. So unlearning that um, is a huge thing for men in general. I think it's even bigger when you add sport culture in the mix. But I think it's something that brings us as men, regardless of straight, gay, bisexual, regardless of what identity uh, you are, I think that is what truly will bring us together. What's so loving about your heart is that you just identified everybody. And and yet, but there, there are people in our world that only identify themselves. And it's like, you are so open to accepting all people and there's no judgment. I've been blessed to be a part of so many communities, to be a part of the black community, to be a part of the LGBTQ plus community, Mm -hmm. to be a part of the sports community. Intersectionality is a beautiful bridge and I hope to continue to bridge all these communities together. It is, I think, not to anyone's fault that it is hard to see the minority when you are the majority surrounded by the majority. So I think it is important to meet people that are different than you. I think it is important to read books about people's lives that you have not lived and to share in those experiences in some way. I think that it will broaden not only your horizons, but soften your heart to the humanity of other people that do not necessarily look like you or love like you or believe like mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think that is that is a huge component in, in our society. And, and hopefully this story and this book 
uh, can do that for people. Well, here's the part that I picked up on. It, you know, in the beginning, I'm thinking, oh, he, he was holding on to a secret. My God, what was it like to hold on to that secret? And, and then I, you changed me because you didn't have a secret. You just had a private life that not everybody knew about. And so all of a sudden, my vision uh, changed. It just it changed that quickly. Yeah. My story is not just a coming out story. I think that's that's a reason that I wanted to write the book, The Yards Between Us, as well, because the coming out story was a catalyst for a lot of a lot of my advocacy, a lot of change that got me to speak on behalf of sport and on behalf of the LGBTQ plus community in a way that hadn't really been done before. But my book is not just a coming out book. Right. Everything that I write in there isn't to gear up to this coming out moment. It's it's to detail my life. It's to talk about mental health. It's to talk about um, racism. It's to talk about grief, um, toxic masculinity, vulnerability, family, all of these things. And and I think that's important because when we look at people, we need to see them as people with multiple, with multi identities and multi experiences um, and not just see them as, as one thing and, and kind of stick to that label or what that label means to us in our mind. You've held on to so many dreams. One of them was to be a Dallas Cowboy. My God, dude. I mean, there are billions of people that want to be a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 an organization that is larger than life. I mean, if you don't know football or if you know little to nothing about football, you you know the Dallas Cowboys. You've heard about them. You've seen the star. They're everywhere. We watch the UK games and people are over there wearing Dallas things and Dallas isn't even playing. So that's (laughs) that team is I mean, they've coined themselves America's team. I'll give it to them until someone can prove me wrong. What does being the first mean to you? Because I'm hoping that it means freedom and peace of mind. Being the first, I I really didn't set out to be the first of anything. I set out to just live a full life and be happy. For me, coming out felt like survival. It felt like I had been underwater for so long and I finally needed to come up for that breath of fresh air. Um, So being the first to me was unintentional. And now I think being the first to me means that it is kind of part of my duty to make sure I'm not the last, make sure that there's a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and so on until we lose count. Um, Because to be the first is great, but to be the first and only is is not the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's lonely. That is, um, you know, that's that shows that we are not progressing mm-hmm. uh, as a society or specifically in this in this case as a sport and uh, in the arena of male professional sports. So so being the first uh, to me just means that I need to make sure that that I'm not the last and that there are many more uh, to come after me. Being a sports figure. Uh, there, there's one thing that I learned being a third degree black belt, and that is, is that the disciplines that you and I go through in order to craft our skills and talents, they, they become tools in our everyday world when all of that stuff that we did is gone and we're living life out here on the real streets. What, what were some of the lessons that you picked up on in the sport? Oh, my, so many lessons. I mean, I we had uh, CBS mornings the other day. I had to wake up at like 4 a.m. I was like, okay, this is like... <laughs> Just like back then, you know, I had to wake up at four, get to the training room, you know, do a whole workout, do meetings, get ready for practice. Uh, so, so so punctuality is huge for me. Um, you know, hard work, dedication. But really, I think the biggest thing is accountability. Mm-hmm. I think in football, when you have a job to do, um, whether it be to to hold the gap, whether it be to play man coverage, whether it be to catch the ball, run this certain route, do the certain technique, uh, everyone on that field, everyone in that in that coaching staff, everyone on the sideline, everyone in that stadium is depending on you to do your job, to do what you said you were going to do and what you agreed on doing. And I think that is an important thing that all people um, not only can can use or learn, but th- that will, that really shows people who you are, that you're someone who says 
one thing and does it and follows through. So accountability, I think, is, is the biggest part that I've learned from football. It's something that I carry with me every day to to just be a man of my word. And even when no one's looking to, to do the things that I say that I was going to do. You said two of my favorite words, punctuality and accountability. And I've been doing a lot of research on, on the behavior of young adults right now because it's like I'm trying to figure out where they are. And so and the research is showing it's because there is a, a self-centeredness about them because they don't believe they have authority or have to answer to authority. RK, it's people like us that we've got to figure out a language to speak with them so that, so that we can get some, some leadership into their hearts. What, what, what are you seeing? I, I think that the POV is, is a little is a little different. I, I think that especially young people now, they have so much kind of put on their plate as a young age, so mm-hmm. much information mm-hmm. to them via social media. Some of it correct, a lot of it not. Uh, and I think that it, it does kind of make you want to be selfish. You see, you know, things like climate change, you see the political unrest, you see legislation being brought against so many people um, in ways that incite violence. And I think that you feel the only, you know, the only control you have, the only onus you have is over yourself and, and to to take your focus inward. I would encourage people um, to know that the only way that we're going to get through these hard times, the only way that you're going to get to where you want to go, that you're going to be happy is with the people around you. It's with support. It's mm-hmm. with family. It's with community. Um, you know, so so I, I would look at it that way to really be your happiest self and live your happiest life. You need to allow people in and you need to be there for people. Mm-hmm. Um, no one in this world, we weren't brought into this world alone. There's almost 8 billion people in this world who weren't <laughs> meant to go anything alone. Um, so I really encourage young people to find a community that they care about and that cares about them yeah. uh, and, and, and go with that. Start there and, and, and that'll propel you forward and, and create empathy. The book we're talking about is The Yards Between Us. I'm a writer. I understand what it takes to put words on a page. But when you're releasing it, and it's one of those things where you have those moments where you have to make that decision. Do I really want to put this on the page? Did you face anything like that? Yes, yes. I I think for me, it was with the experience that I had with other people, specifically with family, uh, because, you know, there are things that we went through that we don't talk about on a day to day basis. (laughs) I mean, like you're not going to Thanksgiving and talking about your trauma with your family. (laughs) Uh, Things might come up and, and, and you might have the relationship. But for the most part, uh, these are things we don't talk about. These are things we went through and, and hopefully come to some resolution for, but you know, we're not constantly bringing it up. Uh, I think a book can be a bit of a sour reminder, especially when other people then are being um, invited into these conversations and, and putting their own opinions on it or, or seeing their own kind of reflection in it. So I was hesitant to put experiences um, with loved ones in there, but at the end of the day, the relationships I have now are so strong and so intentional that um, to write about things that happen through my POV, I don't think could shake that. Mm-hmm. I think we all have understanding that one, this is my story from me. Um, and that as the narrator, I'm of course going to focus on my feelings and my experience, but I also was intentional in trying to not paint myself as a victim and or a hero because I am neither of those things. I am a human being mm-hmm. telling the story of his life in the way that he remembers it, in the way that it impacted him in a hopes to inspire others. Um, so at the end of the day, I had to do what's best for me. I had to tell my story because to be genuine to me um, was my priority and to do anything else would be a disservice. Speaking of that narrator that you just, you talked about, 
is it your voice or is it another voice inside your head and heart? Because I mean, when, when I write, I don't know who that person is, but I'd like to get to know him, but he, he's, he or she is not uh, connecting uh, to, to the voice that I'm listening to right now. I think it's, I say it's me. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's, I hope it's me because I've gotten so comfortable with that voice now yeah. before I would, I would shut it out. And I think the, in turn, then kind of the response and reaction to that was to, to kind of torment me. Um, my thoughts, my ideas, my emotions, you know, the more I repressed, the more they grew. Um, and when they finally did unleash that, that's what caused things like panic attacks or anxiety attacks yep. in my life. Um, that's what caused the the dark episodes of depression and the disconnect between people who I would talk to every day and feel so close to. Um, so so I, I try to say it's me. I, it, it goes back to kind of my teammate mentality. I'm like, that's, that's my teammate. Yeah. Regardless, me and him, we wake up together every day. We go to sleep together every day. Um, we're with each other 24 seven. So we need to be on the same page. Uh, I need to invite you in the same way you invite me in. And you know, every emotion, every thought doesn't always need to be shared, but at the same time, I need to be comfortable with it. I need to accept it. And I need to figure out what, okay, how are we going to work through this? You, you sound like that you defrag. In other words, it's like when things happen, you question it, and then you question the answers and then you move forward because you find things on the inside so that so that you can walk with peace. I'm a very introspective person. I attribute that also to year, years of therapy yeah. uh, that I will continue to do. Um, but, I, but I think it's important. I think for so long I ignored myself for so long. Mm. I mm. myself mm. for granted um, and pushed myself to limits that I didn't necessarily need to. Uh, for the benefit of other people and for the fear of really getting to know me um, and accepting me. So uh, I, I'm maybe a little too <laughs> over um, attentive to that now, but, but I think it's, I think it's important. I think a relationship with self is important because it sets up any relationship that we're going to have thus far, um, regardless of the level of intimacy or the, the time that you're going to be with someone. When I'm with someone in a room, I want to be fully present there. And I can't do that if I'm constantly in conflict with myself. Man, when you get used to ignoring yourself, all of a sudden that mirrored image is a candy-coated plastic bathroom mirror smile. How do, you, how do you go through that storm when it's like, okay, I see you in there, but I'm not paying attention to you today, buddy? You got to dip your toe in. You know, it, it, it's it's kind of like uh, Santa Monica on a cold day. You want to get into the water, you got to dip your toe in. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a jump in guy. Uh, I need to kind of fill it out. And there are times where you don't have time for a you know, two hour cry and then binge and eat a carton of ice cream and watch TV. But you might have time for a 10 minute cry and then, mm -hmm. you know, put up your favorite song, shake it off and go about your day. That's fine. No one's telling you to go through and unpack all your trauma in a day, yeah. or in a week, in a month, but address it, come up with a plan, feel it for as long as you can. Um, and then, you know, get back to get back to your life and to chasing your joy and your happiness. Uh, it, it's all it's all a balance. You know, you we can live in both places. There were times when my best friend Joe passed away, as I, as I talk about in my memoir, mm -hmm. The Arts Between Us. Uh, and I was so sad and I was dealing with so much grief and depression. Yep. But it was also in that period where I met Corey, my partner then and now, um, where I experienced happiness in a way that I never could. And it was kind of like mind boggling for me to be at such a low place, but still experience so many highs. But that is the human condition. We are complex people and beings, and we can unpack our trauma. We can cry for 10 minutes in the car listening to our favorite songs mm -hmm. and then go out and have a great time with our friends. That's fine. 
Um, but just just dip your toe in, you know, make sure that you're that you are attending to that part of yourself um, in the ways that you can. RK, this book is screaming for the next level. In other words, the people are going to read it. They're going to activate it. They're going to share it. They're going to it's going to be become a part of their weave in life. But is there a website that you're going to create for those that are secretly or privately trying to find their way through this storm? I would love to. I definitely, I definitely have plans. Also, in in the nonprofit space, um, I have plans to continue to tell stories. Um, I'm always open to hear stories and, and to to give advice when I can, or or just be in, uh, a shoulder to cry on, an ear to listen, um, whatever that is. But I I'm so glad that this book is out there, and that I can get to know people this way, and that I can invite them into my life, so that hopefully they feel more comfortable inviting me into theirs. And who knows what what form or what shape that will take. But I know that it will be something that I'm very proud of and that will be rooted in the mission and what my life mission is, and that is to make life a little better for all people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in reading the book, the one thing that I that I that I felt deeply is that I'm going. He's going to be he's going to be a YA author for young adults. He's going to write novels for young adults. I just I just feel it because your storytelling is just unbelievably musical. There, there's something about it. Thank you. That's thank you. Thank you. That that means so much to me. And I think young adults, I think that's such an important time, you know, where you're kind of put into this mix of of world pressure and societal pressure of being an adult and still have not figured out the the scars of your youth Mm -hmm. or or the obstacles that you face or kind of like where, where you've come from all that. Um, even if you've had a very blessed life like I've had as well, you 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 know you're you're coming face with the fact that you've taken some of that for granted, with the fact that you've you've been given certain privileges, um, which I think privilege is really just a reason then to fight for those who don't have it. Yeah. Um, and I think as a young adult, that's when you're kind of learning it. Like, what is my place in this world? How do I give back to it? How do I leave my mark? Um, but also, how do I hold on to happiness for myself and grow that? Um, I think the young adults, especially now, are faced with so many challenges that the generation before them, that I didn't face, that the generation mm-hmm. before me didn't face. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to stay connected with them because they are the future. So I would love um, to help them and to be a voice for them and, and, to, and to write stories for them as well. Oh, I love where your heart is. RK, you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I've enjoyed our morning together and I, I will be back then. We'll, I'll definitely be back. Excellent. Will you be brilliant today, okay? Thank you. And you continue to be brilliant.